we are going to wrap up this series that we've been walking through called The Blessed Burden on what it looks like for us to be a people who go and tell others about Jesus. But our prayer is, is that we would end that series today, but this would not end in the hearts and lives of us. I am praying as your pastor that God does a work here at Enon where he changes the culture of us as Enon Baptist Church. We're just regularly and daily sharing the gospel as part of who we are. It just becomes part of our culture. And so today I'm going to ask you to turn with me again to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I'm going to ask you to stand with me today in reverence to the reading of God's word. And we're going to look at verses 17 through 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 17 through 21. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away, behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Let's pray. Father, I ask today genuinely, Lord, I thank you for all that you've been stirring in our hearts in recent days. For your name and glory, God, to go and be a people who share the gospel with those around us. And Lord, we know that we desperately need that. And that God, in our weak uh, states, God, that is prone to wander, Lord, I ask in Jesus' name, help us, Lord. Help us in this task, God, and pray that even this morning, that God, you would give me the words. Um, God, that ultimately, Lord, I pray that you would send us out truly today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. You may be seated. Church family, you know, last Sunday... Uh, was probably one of the most special mornings that I have uh, got to experience in ministry in a long time was the opportunity to get to see people as we preached on answering the call uh, to go and to see people stand right where they are and say, I will go, to make that commitment to say, I will go. And, and whether or not you stood last week, hear this, you still can. God is still calling people to go. And, and you may think today, well, well, Pastor Zach, maybe I'm not physically able to get out and go like I used to. Uh, you can still go. You can still tell people about Jesus. You can serve in prayer and in making phone calls or even join our sunshine ministry and writing uh, postcards to those who don't know Christ. There's so many ways that you can serve. But the fact that so many people stood up last week and said, I will go. I had that moment thinking about in the halls of the spirit world, what that did among the forces of darkness. Man, I could almost hear the forces of darkness shuddering in fear as hundreds of people stood up in families and individuals who said, I will go. I will report for duty to go and tell people about Jesus. I can only imagine of watching hell tremble in those moments. But church family, today, last week it was you answering the call to go. God burning in your hearts to go. Today, I want to give you some practical tools on how to do that, to kind of let today be a training, more of a learning type uh, message. When I was in seminary uh, several years ago, I was in Memphis, and one of my seminary classes, at the beginning of the uh, first class, the seminary professor asked us to go around the room, and each of us just share why we had decided to go to seminary. So we were all going around and sharing our story, call to ministry and whatnot, and one of my friends, who would later become one of my dear friends in there, was Pastor Reginald Taylor. And, uh, and he went, went around the room and said, uh, well, Reginald, why, 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 do you in, why are you in seminary? And he said, well, Doc, it's like this. Uh, I know God's called me to preach. And my mentor told me, said, Reggie, you need to go to seminary because you got to burning, but you ain't got the learning. And, uh, and so today, I feel like that's kind of where we are. Maybe we have the burning, but we just need a little learning. You know, we need some, uh, some tools in how we can better share the gospel. And so we're going to look at today the four pillars of what it looks like to be a proclaimer of Jesus. And I want to ask you just to let, let's say these aloud again today, these four pillars that we've been working through in recent weeks as far as sharing the gospel. Let's say pray, pray. say see. see, say share, share. say invite. invite. 
This is what we've been walking through in recent weeks and reminding you of that. But today, we're going to look at these each a little bit more intensely and in how we can do this that ultimately help us to be people who proclaim the gospel. I will let you know that this morning at the welcome desk, I'd love for everybody to get one of these. Stop by and get one of these little reminder bracelets that have, uh, that, have that statement on there. Pray, see, share, and invite and wear those so when you see it, it reminds you to live evangelistically to those uh, around us. And honestly, they look cool too. So you pick one of those up today. Uh, but this morning, as we look at each one of these pillars, basically every one of them are seen in our passage today. So we're going to dive in to those this morning. So if you're keeping notes today, our first truth is this. In order to be a people who live a lifestyle of telling others about Jesus, we have to be a people who will pray. Now, of all four of our pillars becoming somebody who daily is a proclaimer of Jesus, prayer is the only one that's not expressly mentioned or alluded to in our passage we've been looking at at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. However, the place of prayer in ministry of bringing the gospel to others is seen throughout the New Testament. So let me give you a few ways how prayer can affect you sharing the gospel with those around you, how you can begin to pray. First, we should pray that people come to faith in Jesus. You know, this is one of the easiest, most powerful things we can do to affect our gospel proclamation is to pray for people to come to faith in Jesus. To pray that they become fully devoted followers of Christ. To pray that people are saved and born again. All over scripture we see people travailing in prayer that the lost would come to faith in Jesus. In Romans chapter 10 verse 1 we see the apostle Paul praying for the Jews in Rome to come to faith in Jesus. He said, brethren, my heart's desire, listen to this, and prayer to God for them is for their salvation. Here we see Paul praying that these in Rome would come to faith in Jesus. In a way that is beyond our understanding. The God who is sovereign over all salvation of people's souls, men and women, the God who draws people to himself, in some way, prayer affects change in that. In some way, in a way that we don't understand, when we pray for people to get saved, God moves and responds in a way that is mysterious to us, but we know from Scripture that it is an action that we must do. Ian e. Bounds, the great uh, scholar on prayer, he talked about how prayer and evangelism are hand in hand. This is what he said. Talking to men for God is a great thing. Basically, talking to men for God, being a vessel for God to talk to men, sharing the gospel. He said, talking to men for God is a great thing. He said, but talking to God for men is greater still. Talking to God for men is greater still. It, it, it's great to go out and proclaim the gospel, but it's greater still to be somebody who prays that people would come to faith in Christ. And he's not saying that one is more important than the other. What he's saying is it's simply put, those people who pray well will ultimately be people who share well. Those people who their evangelism is furnished, is fired by their prayer life, ultimately will see more results. Charles Spurgeon, when he was talking about sharing the gospel with people, he talked about how prayer plays an important part of that. He said, if hell must be filled, let it be filled with the teeth of our exertions. Let no one go unwarned or unprayed for. He said, unwarned, let no one go to hell without us telling them about Jesus, but let no one go to hell without us praying that people would come to faith in Christ. Church family, I have seen this in my own life, how prayer affects our proclaiming of the gospel. I have seen over and over again that in more times than not, when I pray specifically for somebody to come to faith in Christ for an extended period of time, that I get to see those people come to faith in Christ. I've seen it happen in short moments of prayer and then more longer seasons of prayer. And when I was in college, one of the first dreams that God ever gave me that was, I believe, a dream from God. Now listen, not everything you dream is from God. Praise the Lord for that this morning, okay? Sometimes you just ate some bad pizza, all right? But I had a dream one night that a guy named Cody, who was on the baseball team there at Wallace, was not a believer and that he was going to die and go to hell. I woke up at 2 o'clock in the morning and I was burdened for Cody. And I started praying specifically, burdened to pray that Cody would come to faith in Christ. 
That next night was our players' Bible study. And at that Bible study, at the end of the Bible study, I gave an opportunity for people to come to faith in Christ. And guess who came to faith in Christ? Cody. Cody came to faith in Jesus. In some way, in a way I don't understand it, God was working and using prayers to prepare his heart to come to faith in Christ. I saw it in a quick season. I also saw it over a period of time of about a year. When I was the pastor at First Baptist Church, Arley, Alabama, we had a young mother who had come and given her life to Christ. Both of her children gave their life to Christ. But the father was very militant against the gospel. And this wife prayed for her husband regularly to come to faith in the Lord. His name was Eric. And the way that you would leave to go to Jasper out of Arley, which you had to go to Jasper if you lived in Arley to go to Walmart or get gas or like see civilization because there's not a whole lot in Arley, that uh, you would pass by Eric's house. And every time I'd pass by Eric's house, I would stretch my hand in that direction. I would say, oh Lord, I pray you'd save Eric. And then on the way back through, I would pray, oh Lord, I pray you'd save. Now listen, I'm praying with my eyes open, by the way. Okay, you can pray. Don't, don't pray while driving and get in the spirit and close your eyes. Okay, you'll wake up and you'll be in heaven and you'll wonder what happened. Anyway, but over and over again, I was praying that Eric would come to faith in Christ. A year later, I was in my office one day and I'm just working regularly and I, I hear the office door open and Eric comes running into my office. He is sweaty, he's dirty, he's got grass and dust all over him. He had been bush hogging his pasture and he comes in and says, Pastor Zach, I was just on my, got off my tractor, got in the truck because I need to give my life to Jesus and I need to be saved. And I got to lead Eric to faith in Christ in my office. I got to see it over a three-year time span with my older brother, getting to see my older brother come to faith in Christ after praying for years to get to see him come to know Jesus and finally get to see him come to know Jesus. Then even recently, I prayed for my dad for over 20 years to come to faith in Jesus. And just this past year, my dad said that he professed to know Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Church family, hear me this morning. When we pray, God listens And that's why we have those little brown tags in your bulletin this morning. If you've not written some names down to some people that you're praying for to come to faith in Christ and hung it on our blessed burden wall out here, just don't write first and last name. Just write first name of somebody that you're praying to come to faith in Christ and hang it up out there so that we can pray for these individuals in the days ahead. So first, we've got to pray that people would come to faith in Christ. Secondly, we should pray that God would give us opportunities to share Jesus with the lost people. You know, we all know that not everyone is always open to share the gospel. Not everybody wants to listen about Jesus. However, the scripture clearly shows us that God can open up opportunities. God can soften people's hearts to be ready to hear the gospel. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 3, we see Paul asking the church to pray that God would open doors. He said, praying at the same time for us as well, that God would open to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ. He's asking, oh God, I pray, would you open up doors for me to proclaim the gospel? And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, we see Paul gives credit to having been the one who opened the gospel, who softened people's hearts, who gave him an opportunity to proclaim the gospel. He said, now when I came to Troas for the gospel of Christ, when a door was opened for me in the Lord. You know, something that the scripture shows us is that God is always at work in the hearts and lives of people, drawing them to himself. Acts chapter 17, it says that he's drawing them that they might seek him. That's encouraging for us to know. It's encouraging for us to know in situations when you think people are so far on the other side of uh, of wanting to hear God, but to know that in some way God is drawing. We never see on the inside what people are going through, what they're contemplating in certain seasons. And God can be setting up divine appointments, working in the lives of people all around you, opening doors. And what we need to pray is, Oh God, give me these opportunities that I might share And then finally, we should pray that God would give us boldness to share. I I don't know about you, but it encourages me in Scripture over and over again to see some of the greatest men and women of God in Scripture having to pray and ask God for courage. That that, that courage was not something that's just uh, supernaturally endowed upon people, that, that they're asking God to give them strength and courage. And the same is true for sharing the gospel with people. There are many people that this is the most intimidating thing in the world for them. Some people in this room, even right now, you say, man, I have never shared the gospel with anybody, Pastor Zach. It's because I am scared to death. We know what? You can pray about that and have others pray with you. In Ephesians 6, 19, the greatest missionary the world has ever known said this, 
Pray on my behalf that utterance may be given me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. He said, church, please pray that I'd open my mouth when I should and that I'd have boldness to proclaim. I want to let you in on something here today for those of you who are fearful in sharing the gospel with those around you is that you're not alone. And for everybody who shares the gospel with people, even the most outgoing personalities in the world, there's awkwardness for all of us. We just have to be willing to say that wading into a spiritual conversation with somebody who may or may not know Christ or may or may not be open to spiritual conversations is that that can have an element of awkwardness to everyone. We've just got to be willing to wade into that awkward and trust that God is going to meet us there. There's a movie that Kimberly and I watched here recently a cute movie called We Bought a Zoo with Matt Damon. And it's a story about a single dad who's having to relocate and they buy a house, but the house comes with a zoo and all the challenges that are involved in that. But as he's talking to one of his sons about some of the struggles that he's going through in life, this is what the dad tells him. He says, son, sometimes all you need in life is 20 seconds of insane courage. 20 seconds of just blind, crazy courage to do something, to step into something. And if you do that, if you'll just give 20 seconds of insane courage, I promise you something great will come out of that. You know, the same is true today for those of us who are followers of Christ. If we can just have 20 seconds of insane courage, 20 seconds to ask somebody if they know Jesus, to ask them if you can share how you came to faith in Christ, ask them who just even introducing yourself to people, 20 seconds of insane courage, we can believe that God will meet us in that. So pray, oh God, give me boldness. So this is the first truth we've got to do today. We've got to be a people who pray. Secondly, Our second truth today is that in order to be a people who live a lifestyle of telling others about Jesus, we must see. Now when we mention the need to see as one of our pillars to living a lifestyle of daily sharing Jesus with others, we mean we must realize how important it is for us to focus our perspectives in in life on the spiritual conditions of those around us and the practical opportunities that God has given us. You know, Jesus, of his incredible ministry that he had with people, you know, one of the defining characteristics of the success of his ministry is the Bible said that he saw people. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, it says, Seeing the people, he felt, felt compassion for them, for they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus walked around with his eyes open. He was listening in connection with the Father, is that he saw people where they are. If we're honest here this morning, one of the greatest hindrances to us not engaging people with the gospel around us is because we are so distracted, so busy in our own lives, and honestly, selfish with our own time that we forget to minister to others. Honestly, we keep our heads down in our phones so much, looking at depictions of real people, that we forget to look up and actually engage with flesh and blood people. And because of that, and we're all guilty of that, because of that we are missing opportunities. We are raising an entire generation that does not know how to interact with real people and have real conversations. And we are becoming just as bad at it. And when we don't engage with people, we miss opportunities. I remember hearing a poem once that said, Tomorrow, tomorrow, how many souls are lost tomorrow? Tomorrow is better because I'm not so busy. Tomorrow is better when life is not such a tizzy. Tomorrow is better because I don't have so much to do. Tomorrow is better. I'll plan to start anew. Tomorrow is the day that I'll sing the gospel song. Tomorrow is the day that souls will be won. Tomorrow is the day that I'll sound the gospel drum. Not thinking that for some, tomorrow will never come. Tomorrow, tomorrow, how many souls are lost tomorrow? Church family, we have to raise our heads and have God open our eyes to see the people around us because the people, the gospel opportunities you have around you today are not guaranteed for tomorrow. And we may be the only Jesus these people see. So how do we do that? Let me give you a few ways that you can begin to see the gospel opportunities around you. First... We see the gospel opportunity around us when we evaluate the people God has put in our paths. 
Now, this is an intentional effort to evaluate the people that God has put in your path. It's something that you must do intentionally. And uh, I'm going to show you how to do that today. We did this a few months ago with something called an oikos map. And when I say oikos map, I'm not talking about how to get Greek yogurt. When I say oikos, the word oikos means family or family circle. It's the people that are in your life. Now, we've got an example here on the screen. But this is a challenge. Again, today's the learning lesson. I'm going to give you a little homework. Today, when you leave here, I want you to go home with your whole family and then individually there, I want you to take a piece of paper and right in the middle, draw a circle and write your name. This is who you are. And then off of that circle, I want you to think about the major places in your time where you spend your life. It could be, you know, with family and friends. It also is in the workplace. It could be in your physical neighborhood where you live. And then also it could be hobbies, the ballpark, the gym, or whatever that may be. Draw some circles around where you spend your time. If they were going to go for a search and rescue for you, where would we likely find you? And then off of each one of those circles, just begin to think about the people who are in those circles. And then begin to ask yourself, Who are the people that I am around that I know do not know Jesus or I am unsure if whether or not they know Jesus? And then what happens is when you start writing these names down, you are recognizing the people that God has put you in their lives to be the light of the gospel for. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 that we are to be the light of the world, a city set on a hill ultimately to share the gospel with those around us. Let me give you another little warning here. If as you do this, you recognize you've only got Christians around you. Is that your little circles, church group, and life group, and this study, and all, and everybody around you is a Christian. You know what you need to do? You need to add a new circle. You say, God, give me some time in my life where I can engage with people I do not know, that don't know the gospel. It could be as simple as volunteering at the Jimmy Hell Mission. It could be a part of joining a Read With Me program. It could be even going to a gym or starting a new sport. You can start. I heard about somebody last week talking about pickleball. Hey, you can start playing pickleball and get around. You laugh. Now, listen, the pickleball people are a little crazy now. I would say, be careful now. It's apparently addictive. But pray, Lord, put me around some people that don't know Jesus. Church, we're supposed to be a light to those who are around us. God has probably already put so many people in your life, we've just yet to evaluate and see them. Let me give you another thing to do here. Parents, you can do this together as a family. And you can encourage your children, if they're believers, to begin to draw one of these out for themselves and start training them now that they don't have to wait to be used for the gospel until they're grown. God can use them right now. Just several years ago, we were living in Arkansas. Um, we were doing this as a family with our neighborhood. We were going through, writing down the list of the houses and the names and drawing out a map of our neighborhood and said, who do we have so that we can start introducing ourselves and start having spiritual conversations? Who can we start praying to see people come to faith in Christ? And you know what? We saw multiple households and families of people we got to lead to faith in Jesus. But what we didn't know is that our little girl was doing this all on her own is that she was making a list of all the kids in the neighborhood and that every night before she would go to bed is that she would pray for each one of these children by name that they'd come to faith in Jesus. And she did, man. She would share the gospel with them when they were playing in the, in the neighborhood and riding in the cul-de-sac and she would tell them about Jesus and, and sometimes got made fun of because of it. But just a few months ago, we got a message from a parent sent by, via a little seventh grade girl. Her name was Callie. And Callie sent our little Ella a message, and the message summarized was basically to say this. And she said, Ella, I want to thank you so much for showing God to me. Recently, Callie had given her life to Christ, had been baptized, and was being being faithful in a church. And she said that she had never seen or heard or engaged with Jesus before until Ella had started sharing her with her church family. God has put you, all of us, teenagers, students, children, wherever you are, and God's got people there that you can reach that nobody else can. And so you need to evaluate the people around you. And there's nothing more exciting, by the way, than to celebrate gospel wins with your family. I mean, you get that message and come in and start high-fiving and say, God used you. We prayed for that. Secondly, we see the gospel opportunities around us when we contemplate the spiritual condition of those around us. To start seeing people as more than just flesh and blood, as more than just employees or people at the ballpark, to see them 
as those who created the image of God, to see them as those who will one day stand before God. Here's a good thought to remember. A thousand years from now, everybody that you know and everybody you come in contact with, everybody in your circle around you will eternally be somewhere. That's real. That's not fairy tale talk. If you believe this right here, if we believe the Bible, if we're led by the Word of God, then a thousand years from now, everybody we know will eternally either be in heaven or hell. And the only difference is, is whether or not they have received Jesus as Lord and Savior. And the only difference in that may be whether or not you brought the message of the gospel to them. And then thirdly, we see the gospel opportunities around us when we initiate some sort of action to engage the people around us. To initiate means you step into someone's circle. This could be as simple as you just introducing yourself to someone. You know, you can never share the gospel with somebody that you've never met, you know, that you've never actually had a conversation with in some way. Now, this doesn't mean that you've got to come in hot, by the way. You can come in a little too hot. My name's Zach, and, and I want to ask you today, if you were to die, die tonight, are you certain that you spent eternity in heaven? You know, that could be come across a little weird. It also could be a little weird just by way. Think about what you wear. You don't want to ride up in your bicycle with a backpack on, okay? Like, these are things that you want to think through. But it could be as simple as just saying, hey, I, I'm, I'm Zach, and I just want to introduce myself to you. And then pay attention to people. You know, when Paul, in Acts chapter 17, when he was going to share the gospel among the Greeks... The Bible says that he came and he said, I observe that all your city full of idols, all of your gods that you worship. And then he even quoted one of their poets. He said, for even as one of your own poets said, in him we live and move and have our being. Paul had studied their culture. He paid attention to their culture. He found some common ground with them in some way to use that as a platform to share the gospel. He said, I noticed that you have one message uh, to a God that you said to an unknown God. This God that you worship in ignorance, let me proclaim to you that he is the one true God. And they started proclaiming the gospel to him. This could be as simple as just paying attention to what your neighbors or your co-workers like or dislike. Do they like college football? Do they like to hunt and fish? Do they like cars? Do they like to garden? You know, do they have grandkids? Kids, ask questions. You know, inquire about their life. Don't be weird. I know that's hard for some of you. <laughs> but it's usually only weird if you make it weird. Care about people. Just care about people. Several years ago, I was praying for, again, one of my neighbors in our Oikos map. I had introduced him, introduced myself to him, knocked on his door, introduced myself to him. Hey, I just, I lived down the street. Had had a decent conversation with him, but had not really had a spiritual conversation with him. His name was Frank. And uh, it became the springtime, and we were planting our garden, and we were harvesting uh, the first batch of red tomatoes off your tomato plants. And, and I always have to guard those, because my wife loves a fried green tomato. I'm like, you cannot eat all of our, I want some real tomatoes, you know, and so those first batch of tomatoes are the biggest and most beautiful. I mean, let's just be honest here. And I, I got those tomatoes, and as I was getting put them in a sack, Frank drove by, and he honked his horn, and I waved. And, and as soon as he came by, it's like the Holy Spirit said, go give Frank some tomatoes. And I looked down at these big, beautiful, ripe tomatoes, the first ones off, and I thought, you know what, Lord? In a couple of weeks, I'd give him those. You know, <laughs> These are like the perfect size of a piece of bread you know, right now. But anyway, I said, okay, Lord, I'll go. And so we went down and knocked on his door. Hey, Frank, man, we're picking you know, garden. I got you some tomatoes here. And, and I engaged. I said, Frank, you know, I haven't had a chance to share this with you, but, man, I'm a follower of Jesus. And, and one of the things, you know, that, that God's called us to love people around us is to pray for people. Can I pray for you for anything? And he kind of looked stunned. He gave me something to pray for. And I said, well, Frank, I, before I pray for you, can I share with you how I came into a relationship with Christ? I told him my personal testimony. And and then I asked him, Frank, would you, do you know Jesus? Would you like to come to know Jesus? And you tell he got a little uncomfortable. He's like, ah, man, you know, I think I'm good. right? But thanks for the tomatoes. I was like, okay, good. Well, invited him to church, and then I left. About three hours later, I got a knock on the door, and it was a weeping, desperate Frank who came into our living room, sat down, smelling of alcohol, but sat down with us and said, I got up that morning and was a wreck, knowing my life is so broken right now. And I literally prayed, God... Are you real? And then a few hours later, some guy at my door is bringing me tomatoes, asking me about Jesus. And I just can't believe that that's a coincidence. And so later we ended up getting to lead Frank to faith in Jesus. Sometimes you just engage and initiate where you are. Let me say this too. Sometimes it's not always easy to do. 
in initiating with people, we all live in the same world too. We're tired, we're busy, but we've got to take time to do it. But it's always so good on the other side when you have. I remember Junior Hill telling the story one time, that famous evangelist in the Southern Baptist Convention. I love Brother Junior. and He uh, had talked about he had preached a, a, it's like a seven-day revival, and he had just preached the last message of it. He was going to spend the night in the hotel, and he's going to get to go home. And So he was so tired, and he stopped at this little diner in the middle of nowhere. Nobody was there. And he said he walked in, he ordered two pieces of bacon, two pieces of toast, and two eggs. And he said, I, he said, I just wanted to eat my, eat my meal, go to my hotel, go to sleep, and get up the next morning and drive home. And he said, as I got my order, a man came in and sat down in the booth right behind me. He said, I just kept my head down. I just, you know, was just eating. And he said, as soon as he sat down, the Holy Spirit said, Junior, share Jesus with him. And he said that I literally said, Lord, but I am so tired. I just want to eat and go home. And he said the Holy Spirit very, very politely said, Junior, share Jesus with that man. He said he'd kind of made up his mind. You know what? I'm just going to be as forward. I don't have any. I got no energy, Lord, for any, any, any frilling it up here or anything. So he turned around and said, Sir, I've got a question for you. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Just kind of real blunt. And he said the guy looked at him straight forward and said, No, I don't, but I sure wish somebody would tell me how. He said, I picked up my plate, moved over in the booth with him, sat down. We ate our dinner together, and I got to lead that man to Jesus. And this is what was so beautiful about that story. He said, I was still just as tired when I left there, but my heart was full. Church family, initiating means that we're going to have to say no to self sometimes, but for the glory of God. But it's always so worth it. So we've got to pray, we've got to see. And then our third truth today is in order to be a people who live a lifestyle of telling others about Jesus, we must share. The concept of being willing to share doesn't mean that we just talk about the weather alone or even vaguely mention spiritual things. But to share means that we clearly articulate to others the gospel of Jesus, the message of Jesus, in order that they too may come to faith in Christ. That's what Paul is doing in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, when he says, We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He said, Come to Jesus. Now, the reality is, is that articulating the gospel is honestly one of the most intimidating things for most people. If, if, if you're in this room today and you say, Man, I can get over the engaging somebody in a spiritual conversation that I don't really know that well or I haven't engaged before. But when it comes to actually telling them how they can come to faith in Christ, Pastor Zach, man, I'm, I, I am, I'm out. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a Bible study leader. I, I, I don't really know how to do that. Let me, let me give you a few truths you need to know to help you share your faith with others. First, you need to know that you don't have to be a pastor, a Bible scholar, or a long-time Christian to tell others about Jesus. The first key to sharing Jesus is to know your story of faith. Your story of faith. Your story of how you came to faith in Jesus is called your testimony. It is your account of what God did in you. People may debate with you on Scripture. They may debate with you on even the existence of God. But nobody can debate with you on your personal testimony. It is yours. It is what God did in you. And the truth is, the Bible makes it clear that your testimony is powerful. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, the Bible says that the saints of God were helped to overcome the accusations of the devil through their testimony. It says they overcame it because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. In Acts 4.20, we see the disciples, they couldn't help but proclaim their testimonies. It says, for we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. And that's all your testimony is. It's just you saying, hey, this is what I've seen and heard. This is what Jesus has done in me. The majority of people in the Bible, when they came to faith in Jesus, immediately started telling other people about Jesus. They did it without any training. They did it without sort, any sort of preparation. They just started at their story of what Jesus did for them, and God used it. Friends, this morning, do not let what you don't know about sharing the gospel of Jesus keep you from sharing what you do know. And what you do know is that Jesus saved you, and you're a different person because of it, that you've been born again, that he's real in your heart and life. Share that truth. Let me give you a little bit, another homework exercise here. A great exercise today would be to go home and to write down maybe the front and back, that's really about all you need, the front and back of one regular piece of paper. 
and write your story of coming to faith in Christ, your testimony. Write it in such a way that you could share it with somebody in two to three minutes. They don't need the novel of your life. They just need the Reader's Digest version. They just need to hear the simple truths of how you came to faith in Christ. And even to help you do that, use these headings. First heading, your life before Jesus. What did your life before Jesus look like? Second heading, how did you come to faith in Jesus? Who told you about Jesus and what did you do? I called out to Jesus to save me. He saved me. Something very simple. And then the third heading, what does your life look like now since you've come to faith in Christ? What does what walking with Jesus look like to you? If you do that and write that down on a sheet of paper and practice that, you can share your testimony with somebody in just a few minutes. So you need to know your story. The second key to sharing the gospel is you need to learn the gospel story. And this is the biblical story of coming to faith in Christ. Let me give you a couple of verses to work on memorizing here. First, memorize the passage we talked about last week, 2 Corinthians 5.21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This is, this is the gospel message. And let me give you, these are not in your notes, but I want you to write down these four quick keys to the gospel. And this can help you remember how to share the gospel with somebody. These four words, write them down. Sin, separation, sacrifice, and salvation. Sin, separation, sacrifice, and salvation. If you can remember that, you can articulate the gospel. First, sin. The Bible says that we're all sinners. We've all broken God's law. And because of that, we are separated from Him. That's why we're empty and broken in this life. That's why we're missing something in this life, because we don't have God. And we're also, not only, not only are we separated in this life, without, without God, we will be separated from Him in the life to come, in eternity, in hell. But... God loved us so much that He gave His Son Jesus who died as a sacrifice on our behalf. Jesus was perfectly innocent. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus died on the cross, bore all of our sin, and rose from the grave on the third day so that He could prove to the world that He did what He said He did. We can be saved through Jesus. And the last part, there is salvation. If we'll just believe in Jesus and call out to Him, we can be saved. The gospel story, church, is simple. Sin, separation, sacrifice, and salvation. It doesn't need you to fluff it up. The gospel message doesn't need you to frill it up. The gospel message doesn't need you to be an orator, a poet, a preacher, or a singer. The gospel message just needs you to share it and share it in love, and God will do the rest. Adrian Rogers said, There are many people who can preach the gospel better than me, but nobody can preach a better gospel than me. Nobody can share anything more beautiful than the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So you need to know your story, you need to know the gospel story, and then finally, you just need to share the story. The third key to sharing Jesus is you need to tell the story. There's an old hymn that says, I love to tell the story of Jesus and His glory. I love to tell the story of Jesus and His love. Like most things in life, the more that you do it, the more comfortable you become with it. In working out terminology, it's called repetitions. It's getting reps. And the more often you engage people with the gospel, the more easy it becomes, the more comfortable with it it becomes. And a great way of getting reps is to have a set time and place where you know you're going to get an opportunity to share the gospel and engage people. And this is why we're doing Go Tell Tuesdays. Every first Tuesday night of the month from 6 to 7.30, we're going to meet here at the church. We're going to give out some blessing bags. We're going to put you in some teams where you're not by yourself. And you're going to get to go knock on some doors. And people in our community get to give them a blessing bag in Jesus' name with a free red box movie code and a bag of popcorn. And then you get to pray for people and then engage them in spiritual conversations. I beg you today, make that a priority here at Enon that you become a part of Go Tell Tuesdays. So church family, this is what it looks like for us to share. And then lastly, our fourth and final truth today is in order to be a people who live a lifestyle of telling others about Jesus, we must invite. We must invite. Now, 
we've talked about this in recent weeks. There's two ways, two major ways that you can invite people as you're in a spiritual conversation. First, if you are sharing the gospel with somebody and you have had an opportunity to share with them, then you can invite them to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. This is if you've shared your story of coming to faith in Christ or you've got to share the gospel story. And it's that moment where you say, would you like to give your life to Jesus? It's that moment where you ask the question. And by the way, do not be afraid to ask the question. If you have had an opportunity to share your story of coming to faith in Christ, and then I usually ask, can I share with you how you can know how to come to faith in Christ? They say yes to that. Then I share the gospel story, sin, separation, sacrifice, and salvation. And then the last thing I do is that I say, would you like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior today? Just ask the question. This is that moment where you, you, you put somebody on the spot and you say, well, that may be a little uncomfortable, but that's what God has called us to do. This is what Paul did here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. I beg you, be reconciled to God. Today is the day of salvation. If they say yes, and praise God for that, there's nothing. When, that, when they say yes, the first thing on the inside is I have an explosion of joy. There's nothing more exciting in this world than to stand there when somebody, God is working and drawing them to themselves. And then I share two more verses of Scripture that are worth memorizing here. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I let people know, you know what? Coming to know Jesus is a free gift. It's free. You don't have to do anything to deserve it. You don't have to do anything to receive it. It's free. But just like any gift, you have to receive it. Just like any gift, you've got to appropriate that. You've got to say, yes, I want Jesus. And then John 1.12 says this, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe upon his name. So I invite them. Would you like to come to faith in Christ? They say yes. So the Bible says it's a free gift, but just like any gift, you've got to receive it. And the Bible says that you can receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And then I very simply, I give them the ABCs of salvation, which is, man, we do this at Vacation Bible School. God's used this for decades. Just tell them, well, first, all you've got to do is just admit to God that you're a sinner. Say, I'm a sinner and I need Jesus. Secondly, B, you just believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin and that he rose from the grave to save you. You say, I believe that. And then finally confess. You say, Jesus, I want you to save me. And once you share that with them, then I invite them saying, you can do that right now. I can, you can pray and call out to God and, and you can tell him, Jesus, you can confess to him. I want, him uh, I want you to save me or I can even help you. And usually that's where I may lead them in a very simple prayer and, and explain to them, this prayer doesn't save you, but from your heart to God, if you want to say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin, that you rose from the grave, and I want you to save me. I confess you as the Lord of my life. That is very simple. And guys, let me tell you something. There is nothing more glorious in this world than to be a Christian who you get to stand on the sideline and watch somebody pass from darkness into light, to watch God save somebody. Just a few weeks ago, I had the great privilege of going and preaching for our students at the uh, high school back-to-school retreat at Springville Camp and Conference Center. Uh, it had been 15 years since Kimberly and I were at the Springville Camp and Conference Center. Last time we were there, we were there. I was the student minister here at Enon, and we took a group of kids there. And it was very nostalgic. It was also kind of gross because I'm pretty sure the carpet is the exact same carpet that was there 15 years ago. But as we were walking around the room, Kimberly stopped me, and I was like, isn't this just kind of weird to be here? And she said, and she pointed to a pew on the back wall, and she said, I still remember leading, and she mentioned a little girl's name, and I still remember leading her to faith in Jesus right there. She's a grown woman now that's married and still loves Jesus to this day, and she had a memory of a moment where God used her church family. God wants to give you those memories, those moments where God used you to invite somebody to come to faith in Christ. So how do you invite? First, you invite them to come to faith in Christ. And then lastly, and very quickly this morning, the second way we can live with a culture of invitation is just invite people to come to church. Come to church. You know, not every spiritual conversation goes all the way to that point to where you invite them. Would you like to give your life to Jesus today? Sometimes all it is is that you ask them, can you pray for them? 
And that's all they'll let you do. Sometimes in every gospel conversation, unless it goes all the way to that point to where uh, you lead somebody to faith in Christ, at some point you kind of hit a wall. You know, that's that point to where they've either decided not to give their lives to Christ or, or they don't really have time for you to share any more with them. But at any point you hit a wall, even if it's just in a passing, quick conversation, you can invite somebody to come to church. You know, one of the things that we commit to do here at Enion is that every Sunday we're going to give people an opportunity to give their lives to Jesus. You know what the, the stats show right now is that 82% of non-church people say that they would come to church with a friend or relative if somebody invited them. Think about that. 82% said they'd come to church if somebody invited them. God still uses the invite, and He always has. I love the story in Acts chapter 13. The Bible says that Paul and them are preaching in Antioch. And as they're preaching the, the Sabbath, which is kind of like going to church for the Jews in that day, they preach there about Jesus that first week. A lot of people come to faith in Christ and they say, will you come back next week? So they wait a week, they come back the next week. The Bible says in Acts chapter 13 that the next Sabbath, the whole city showed up. Think about that. The entire city showed up. Why? Because there's a lot of people been inviting a lot of people to church. And you know what? A whole city got to hear the gospel. I cannot tell you, cannot tell you how many people that I have personally been able to see come to faith in Jesus just because somebody invited them to church on a Sunday, invited them to church on a Wednesday, invited them to a life group, and they came to church, they felt the presence of God, they saw that following Jesus is real and the faith of those around them, and God drew them to themselves. I could tell you a thousand stories about that. You know, my favorite to tell is mine. I came to faith in Jesus because somebody invited me to church. Friends, who will come to know Jesus this week because you invite them to church? Invites, we should spread around like we're giving out gold to the world, man. Everybody, hey, come to, come to church. Man, we'd love to have you. Sit with them when they get here. And by the way, nobody has an assigned seat at Indian Baptist Church. Listen. You're going to get to see another side of Pastor Zach. We get in that world, okay? We come. We invite. We get to see people come to know Jesus. Pray, see, share, and invite. Can we give the Lord a big hand for his word here this morning? Now, this is why I want to close. I'm going to ask our instrumentalists to come. and This is where I want us to close uh, today. I was praying this last week during one of my hours in prayer here with our staff, you know, we, we take time. and Guys, I, one of the, I hear people say this all the time. Pastor, what can we pray for you for? And just pray that we would hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and that God would give us peace. Man, I, I, it, leadership is hard, but you know what? If I've heard the voice of God, I'm good. You know, I'm, I'm good. And just this past week, as I was praying about this message, one of the things that the Lord flashed in my mind was just Genesis 3. That's the way the Holy Spirit a lot of times speaks to me in that. It's like, what in the world? And I go to Genesis 3. It's the story of the fall. When Adam and Eve have fallen, man, sin enters the world. This is, this is where separation happened. Sin entered the world. And we were all separated from God. But something the Lord showed me in that passage is that even from the very beginning, God was working to bring his people back to him. Is that he took, he took these naked, ashamed Adam and Eve and he clothed them with skin and garments. And he started a pathway then that would ultimately lead to the cross. You know what it reminds me for this morning? Is that for all of us who would leave here today, and when I say on Sunday mornings from now on, when I say you are sent, I would love for you in your own heart to say back to the Lord, say, I will go. When you hear you are sent in your heart, you say, I will go. As you leave here, leave here knowing, you know what? God's at work all around you. Man, he is drawing people around you all the time. Sometimes all they need is a voice, somebody to say, here's Jesus. You know what it also reminds me of? As some of you this morning, you've never given your life to Christ. Sure, you're religious maybe, or you've visited church some, but you've never been born again. You've never had God come to live and work in your heart and life. And this morning, he wants to do that in you. And just like if I was sitting at a coffee table with you, sharing this gospel story that Jesus died on the cross for your sin, you could give your life to Christ. In fact, I'm going to invite you to bow your heads for a moment right there where you are. And if you 
you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior this morning, through prayer, would you admit, believe, and confess? You can do that right now. This is a holy moment, church family. I believe God laid this on my heart to give you, give somebody an opportunity this morning that doesn't really know Jesus or maybe even watching online to come to faith in Christ. Would you just admit to God? Say, God, I'm a sinner. And God, I'm separate from you. But then tell him, say, but God, I believe. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. I believe you love me even though I don't deserve it. And I believe that you rose again on the third day. And Jesus, I want to confess you as Lord of my life. Jesus, save me. With every head bowed, every eye closed, this is a holy moment between just me and you. I'm not going to embarrass you. This is between you and I. But if you ask Jesus this morning to save you, and again, I believe that this is for somebody here in this room. With nobody looking around, close your eyes here for a moment. If you say, Pastor Zach, I asked Jesus to save me this morning. I'm not going to embarrass you. You're going to stay right there where you are. This is just between you and I. I'm going to ask you to be bold enough this morning just to look up at me. Just make make eye contact with me. I'm looking around the room right now. Just look up. Make eye contact with me and you can look back down. I'm surveying the room right now. You say, Pastor Zach, that's me. I asked Jesus to save me this morning. Would you just look up right there where you are? Would you be bold enough to do that and say, Pastor Zach, I gave my life to Jesus. Don't worry about the people around you. This is between you and Jesus. If you ask Christ to save you this morning, just glance up at me right now. And this is what I'm going to ask you to do. As we stand to sing, if you gave your life to Christ this morning and I can talk to you after service or if you haven't been in recent weeks if you want you feel free to come forward one of our pastors will pray for you if you say Pastor Zach man I'm, I need somebody to pray with me or I need to join this church if God is moving in your heart and life in any way you feel free to come would you stand with us this morning Father I pray in Jesus name give us the strength and courage to respond today for your name and glory in Jesus name Amen come now if you need to come